the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome in, Rob Black, your money on Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. I do this show trying to get you to retirement, so it's a mix of the economy, the stock market, 401ks, insurance issues. I don't talk a lot of economic data, but you have to. Let's bring in Jeff Rosen, Dr. Jeff Rosen from Briefing.com. He's the chief economist. How are you, Mr. Rosen? Good. How yourself? I'm good today. Um, housing numbers, new homes, what did we get this morning? Uh, we got a nice bump. Uh, it was definitely more than expected. And the question now we have to think about is, are these the people that are rushing in to buy homes today to lock in rates because they think rates are going to go higher, or is this steady demand because we've had uh, improving job options and, and whatnot, and uh, you know all that pent-up demand for homes is, is finally coming through? Do you care or shed some light on the difference between new home sales and existing home sales for us? Uh, well, new home sales are just what it basically says, new homes. So you know, builders and contractors that are building new homes get a, a uh, report from the census, and they tell them how many contracts they've signed. So it's not an actual sales, but it's, a, you know, it's what was uh, implied to be sold. So usually these sales take place a month or two later. The existing home sales data is, um, you know, if you already own a home and you're selling it again and someone's buying it, and some new homes come up in there because realtors that uh, represent new home uh, uh, buyer, new home uh, sellers or manufacturers will sometimes, uh, you know, include their sales in that number as well. So the home price is going up as much as they have, and this is, it's brutal because it's so localized, but in the Bay Area, we've seen some areas just skyrocket back to pre-crash highs in housing. How much of that's tied towards income? How much of that's tied towards investor demand? Uh, not, not, not how much, but how do you differentiate that as health for the economy? Well, it's hard. It's one of those things where there's a lot of... Uh, noise in the numbers because you have low inventory levels so people that you know are selling are selling you know the higher end homes and that's why you're seeing big movements in price you're not seeing the uh the low end homes selling because first time home buyers are down because first time home buyers either don't have enough saved to uh to get credit or credit is just simply not available so 
and you're also seeing a lack of distressed properties in the market. So when you take all that factors, you're seeing a run-up in prices, but it might not be a real run-up in prices. You might only be seeing, you know, just one side of the market that's still functioning, you know, not normally, but more normal than another side of the market, and that's just skewing the data. Skewing the data. Um, I guess where I want to go with this is President Barack Obama is going to be talking about the economy. The Republicans are probably going to be refuting almost everything he says this week. What are you expecting from Obama as far as the health of the economy that he tries to focus in on? I mean, he's supposed to be coming out today and talking about, uh, you know, job initiatives. We'll see what it actually, you know, comes out with. But, you know, the economy is, is not doing well. I mean, right now... I'm projecting negative GDP growth for the second quarter. I mean, a lot of that is due to uh, a big drop in inventories. Clouds that close it out and just look at real final sales, you're positive, but it's it's not strong. You, know, you still have uh, pullback from the government sector. The uh, investment side, um, non-residential, is weak. Um, you know, the only thing that we're seeing is steady job growth, but. You know, we're at 175 on average over the last 12 uh, months or so. You know, that's good under normal circumstances, but, you know, when you have unemployment rates at uh, 7.5%, you really need, you know, more than 200,000 to start pulling that down legitimately. Otherwise, you're just kind of, you know, taking off some of the people that um, left the job market because they were discouraged. You're not really tackling the unemployment problem. So... I mean, realistically, there's a lot of work to be done. Speaking with Dr. Jeff Rose and Chief Economist Briefing.com, there was a study out recently that said beer sales or beer consumptions down two to three percent, and it basically blamed twenty-somethings who male aren't employed, thus they're not drinking. Plus, it blamed uh, the payroll tax. Uh, it, how healthy is are the millennials? Or falls in your court with this one? I don't even know if there's a question in there. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the unemployment numbers, they're not that healthy. I mean, you have high unemployment among the youth, and you have high underemployment among the youth. And if you take in the fact that a lot of these people, you know, are recent college grads, so they have a lot of debt, a lot of them had to, t- you know, buy a car in order to get to any job that they have, so they have a car debt, and, you know, if you racked up credit card, you know, while you were in college, you have credit card debt, you know, so... If you're coming out of all this with a lower than expected paying job, you're going to make cuts. You know, it makes sense that you know beer would be you know something that you would see. Now, I don't know if you know specifically if this is a you know forward-looking indicator saying that you know the economy is more in trouble than it is, but. You know, we know all this. We see it. You know, you have college grads coming out with a hundred thousand dollars in tuition debt, and you have you know, jobs that are only paying twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year. You know, you could do the math. It's not something that's going to be easily paid off on that type of income. And you could see why, you know, the housing market's not surging through. We're not seeing the first time home buyers coming in like we normally do. We're only getting like twenty eight percent I think in June of, of sales came from first time home buyers. Normally it's forty percent. So we're seeing the effects of uh, you know, poor job prospects for the millennials and the undercurrents of a weak economy. There was an article that I read this week that talked a little bit about Brazil and their protests and how they're creating a middle class. And when you create a middle class, you get paid real wages. And then it compared it to the United States and how 
we use credit to grow our economy. Is there anything that we should be worrying about, or should I be moving to Brazil, is the question? <laughs> uh I don't think you should be moving to Brazil. I mean, unless you like uh, the riots that are currently going on. I mean, the weather's nice this time of year, but um, it's one of those things. It's a double-edged sword with credit. Credit allows you to spend from the future today. Um, if you know your wages are going to increase in the future, if you know that uh, you know as you gain um, opportunity, you should increase your your uh, your buying power in the future, you could use some of that today, and, and that's a good thing. Um, you know, it depends on how much credit you take on, and, and that's the question. If you go like we did, you know, in the mid 2000s, where you just, you know, bought whatever you wanted, however you wanted, because you just expected your job to be there and you just expected uh, wages to rise, you know, you're, you're going to be looking for a problem uh, very shortly. So, anything else that we need to be aware of, Dr. Jeff Rosen? No, and durable goods come out tomorrow. That's, uh should be a decent number. A lot of it will be aircraft still. We had, you know, Boeing reported good numbers uh, for their June uh, sales quota. So, you know, beyond that, you know, the big number comes out next week. We have GDP, we have the FOMC, and then we have uh, the labor numbers on next Friday. Okay, I'm going to ask one more question. This is a little tricky. How comfortable are you at the increases in jobs that the market is expecting to basically push the stock market higher in the back half of this year? Because well, that's a story, those, right? Yeah, well, I mean, for the stock market, it's one of those double-edged swords because if you have strong job growth, that means the economy is improving, you know, and job growth is a lagging indicator, so it should be, you know, showing already in the profit numbers. You know, and under normal circumstances, that would mean, uh, you know, better profits and, and better whatnot for the stock market. But at the same time, you have strong growth. You're going to have a higher likelihood of tapering. And, you know, you have some money that will come out of the stock market into more riskless assets, risk-free assets, and, you know, that could lower it. So, you know, it depends on the mood of the market that day. You know, if it's a, you know, if, it, if it's looking to take advantage of stronger economic growth, that's great. If it's looking to take advantage of, uh, uh, you know, accommodative monetary policy, then, Good employment numbers are not good for the market. What's your analysis telling you of when does the Fed start to taper? I don't have it until 2014. I, I just looking at the trends and looking at where we are, looking at inflation. I mean, the, the Fed's not meeting any of its mandates. So, how can you start tightening? Even if they claim that it's not tightening because they're still being loose because they're still buying assets. When you're not buying assets to buy as much as you used to do before. There are more assets that need to be purchased by the private sector. Means that the private sector has to shift money out of one side to another, which means higher interest rates. And if that's true, that's tightening. And I don't care what the Fed says about that. So, if you look at it that way, then you know the Fed has no reason whatsoever to uh, start tapering anytime soon. Thank you very much, it's Dr. Jeff Rosen, very bright man. With us every Wednesday, 8.30 our time, a little different in Chicago, where he works from, Dr. Jeff Rosen, ChiefEconomistBriefing.com. Briefing.com provides independent live market analysis of the United States and international equity markets. I've been using them for 15-plus years. Um, why they didn't go... 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.